What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports, college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Joined, as always, on Wednesday, I got my buddy, Connor Rogers. And we've been sitting here for like 10 minutes just talking, Connor. And I'm, I miss you, dude. I'm ready to get up there three weeks. And uh, it'll be me and you taking over the place. Oh, dude, I can't wait. It's going to be absolutely awesome like it always is. I think we have more planned this year somehow than ever. Which, if you've followed along in the past with BR's draft coverage, uh, you know we do a lot. This year, I think you can basically, you're going to have content between me and Matt, the Lefko Show, all kinds of BR NFL draft content throughout the entire week. Yeah, it's going to, you're going to get tired of us, um, no. but you're going to love it. I would, <laughs> I will say this, man, for people that love the draft, if you're somewhat new to Bleacher Report because like, maybe you follow us on Twitter, maybe you found the podcast, we do the draft better than we do anything else at Bleacher Report. And I, I, that's not a knock on anything else. Like we no. do the NBA exceptionally well. We do football pretty well, and I think we're making a lot of strides to do football better. We do the draft really well, and they, yes, that's a, a you know patented Matt Miller humble brag, but we do it well, man. And so, people, Thursday night, we're going to have live coverage of the draft. Me, you, and Lefko breaking down every pick in round one. You can stream it on Twitter and YouTube. And I just want to say this: I'm going to take a, a small shot at the other people that cover the draft. Kyler Murray is going to be the first pick, and you won't hear about him after that. We're not going to, when the Chiefs are on the clock at 29, we're not going to be interviewing Kyler Murray. We're going to be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. When the Titans are on the clock at 19, we're going to be talking about the Titans. Like, we will talk about every team. The the moment Kyler Murray is going to get his 10 minutes. Nick Bose is going to get his 10 minutes. Josh Allen's going to get his 10 minutes. So rounds one, two, three, me, you, and Lefko breaking down every pick. And then day three, uh, plans are being ironed out this week, so we'll be able to update you all real real quick on what we're doing there. Yeah, but we're going to have something really exciting for day three. And another, you know, just to kind of hammer this home, we're going to be talking about the players that were picked at that exact moment. And I've gotten all kinds of questions, and I appreciate all of them because I want to lay everything out. Yes, we have highlights for players. We will show you the players. We will show you their highlights. We'll be doing grades, analysis, team fits across the board. And pretty much everything you want to know, you can get involved in the comments because you can, you know how much you could tweet at me and Matt. We know a ton of you guys because you tweet us uh, draft on draft every single week. And if you haven't yet, this is the time to get involved. Leave an iTunes review with a question. I've got tons of great questions from Instagram, which if we haven't gotten to your question the last couple of weeks, we're going to catch up. We're going to get there. We've been fortunate enough to have on tons of great prospect interviews and that's cut into draft on draft a little bit, but we will catch up and, be a part of the live show, whether it is you want to watch on YouTube, you want to watch on Twitter. Obviously, you could tweet at me, Matt, Lefko, Mello, all kinds of different ways to get through to us. And, man, I just can't wait. I really can't wait because I think I have had a sneak peek of what it's going to look like this year. It looks absolutely fantastic. And I just think the accessibility, there's a lot of people that don't even have cable anymore, Matt. If You could right. literally open your phone and watch our draft coverage. And I think you mentioned like Mello will be there. He's flying to New York Wednesday night. Mello's going to be like our voice on social media Thursday and Friday. Like, because that's, I mean, that he, that's probably what he's honestly best at. Yeah. So he's going to be out there, like, you know, filling you guys in on everything that's going on. It's going to be a, a really good time. And then the three of us will be together doing shows every night. So uh, I wanted to plug that off the top because I'm really excited about it. And I think like people always call it like a second screen experience. Nah, like this can be your only screen experience. Smart cast that up on your TV, man, on YouTube um, that we do that shit all the time in my house. So it, it can definitely be fun. Today's show is going to be fun. We're going to go around the league. We're going to give you our winners and losers of the draft process. So starting back January one until now, Jesus, four months later. So and then also 
I've been teasing this interview for a couple of days because we, Mello and I interviewed Foster Moreau Thursday night, and it was such a great interview that I've been excited to run this interview for five days. We're going to run that one today. It's great. Uh, he is incredibly smart. He's funny. We had a great time with him. I think we're best friends now. And then we're going to close it out with draft on draft. So it's going to be a, a, a fun show today. More of like a, an old school stick to football. Dude, we're going to have some hard decisions to make because it sounds like Nicole Hardman is inviting everybody down to yeah, his draft party yeah. too. So it's like, man, where are we going to go at the end of the day though? I, I'm. It's exciting talking to these guys this year because it, it makes you root for them when they get picked. Not that we don't, but it's a different level because you get to find out more about them, what they're about. You know, they obviously care so much. They put so much time into this. So I think it makes that actual draft moment experience that much sweeter. And I think our listeners get a kind of a pullback of the curtain on it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, before we get to the rundown, I don't know if you've seen this. It came out this this morning. It came out Tuesday morning as we're recording. Have you seen the hats? Oh, they're the players are wearing. It's they're almost like so it's like rookie hazing or punishment yeah i wouldn't want to wear one of these what i don't get is like and i was about to say no disrespect to the people that make and approve them but it's like i think you saw i think it was quandre Diggs had a tweet recently about like pff no disrespect but then disrespects them i'm gonna basically do the same thing here (laughs) how do they make it to market matt like who looks at those and goes yeah it's like it's like the hello fellow kids gif (laughs) where it's like yeah kids will like these but like they have no no idea Dude, they're such garbage. They're such they're really garbage. Bad. There's been various leaks of like, the only one not officially shown is the Jets one. There's an apparent leak of it that nobody knows if it's real or not. I mean, I can imagine the Jets one will be just as awful. What do you think the best one and worst one is? I think the worst one, oh, Chiefs. It's, Chiefs is bad. The Chiefs one is really bad because they like put a fountain behind it. Like, which That's is what like that Kansas is? Kansas City's the city of fountains. Kansas City has the second most fountains in the world behind uh Rome, I think. So, like, I get it. Like, you want to tie into the city, but it looks like dog shit. Like, it doesn't actually look like a fountain. It's like the logo they use at the airport. So, it's it's not great. The best one, God, there's not one. Is the Rams Rasta one real? I yes. Okay, that's I the think best so. one. I, it's I think just so. it's just hilarious. It's I mean, the Raiders one is is bad, but it's like the least bad. Yeah, I think like the Patriots one might be the oh, least okay. bad because it's too. doing it's doing less. Yep, less is the more. worst one. Like, why does the Saints one just have three logos on the front? I don't know what's like, going I don't on with any of these. Like, if I was, can you imagine having to put that like the biggest moment of your life? You got to put the ugly fucking, and th- that's what they hand you. Like you've worked you know your what? entire life for this. The Bears one's the best one because it's just a Bears logo. Yeah, <laughs> like, less is more. Oh, good God. God. Anyway, they said they're trying to like incorporate like city or state flags into these things. Like why? Nobody knows. Like, I know millions on these logos. Just go with it. Yeah, it's an absolute nightmare. So there's our rundown. We've just been analyzing (laughs) from the coaches photo to now the hats. I don't know, man. It's just figure it out. So moving on. (laughs) The Browns made some some news this week. Speaking of bad things. (laughs) Speaking of bad things. Sashi Brown is in the news. And he is because uh, Sashi Brown made 24 picks as general manager of the Cleveland Browns. Probably more famous for the picks he didn't make. He passed on Carson Wentz, and they said he's not a top 20 quarterback. Uh, they passed on Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes. They they passed on a lot of guys, but they made 24 picks. John Dorsey has traded 12 of those players that he inherited. Only six players are left from Sashi Brown's 
drafts as Brown's general manager. So can we officially kill the narrative that Sashi knew what he was doing? Because maybe the idea of like losing tanking is not a new idea. They've been doing it in basketball for a long time. They've been doing it in baseball for a really long time. It's not a new idea. Maybe somewhat new to football for someone to just come out and be like, yep, we're going to suck. The thing with tanking, you have to be able to pick good players. Like we've said with the Raiders, you got three picks in round one. It's awesome. You better pick good players. The Browns did not pick good players. They won one game in two years. Sashi Brown's gone. Hugh Jackson's gone. It was a complete like organizational clusterfuck. And I just like, I'm not going to take a side on Sashi versus Hugh. They both were terrible. So here's my thing with Sashi Brown. You can go through two things here. Sashi Brown had the right idea and plan and failed at the overall execution. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I get his defenders on Twitter that said, well, he set up the foundation for the Browns to get out of the darkness they've been in. Okay, that's fine. Like, the Browns were in an era of absolute misery for a long time. Sashi Brown making the team or helping the team bottom out worse probably than they ever have before did put them in a position capital wise to do this. If he stayed, it wouldn't have mattered. I I mean, it's something we always say, like you could have all those picks, but it doesn't mean shit if you don't hit on them. Man, I mean, let's not forget like the quarterbacks he passed on. You know what I mean? And a lot of teams did, but... They say, oh, he would have drafted Baker because that was the no. analytical player. How do we know? No, no. No one knows that. No one knows that. No one knows yeah. that. I it, mean, it was a mess. So here's what that's my take on Sashi Brown. Like, I think he had the right idea and plan and failed to execution. And at the end of the day, like that doesn't really it'll never keep you'll never keep your job if you do that. And I completely agree with that. And a lot of people will come at me and say, some of these players were really high on your board. Miles Garrett is a great player. Like, that's a pick that no one could have got wrong, though. Like, he was the best player in the 2017 draft. Like, maybe you should have taken, yeah, maybe, honestly, maybe you should have taken Mahomes. Maybe you should have taken Deshaun Watson. I liked Miles Garrett. I understand that one. But, like, you know, Jabril Peppers in the first, that was a bad pick. That was a really bad pick. Corey Coleman at 15 after trading out of the number two pick. I think that's the worst one. I do too. A guy who's now bounced around the league a ton. Like, they're just not good picks. And like you said, dude, the idea was great. Like, if if I were the Bengals right now, and maybe, yeah, maybe that's a bad example, but we'll go with the Bengals. Like, that idea of, you know what? Like, we're going to have to tear this down a little bit to rebuild it. This is what your Jets did. Like, they tore it down to rebuild it. They just didn't make a complete mockery of it and pick bad players. Or, so far, it doesn't look like they pick bad players, but... They got their quarterback, which is the most important position in sports. So I, I think that's where the problem right now lies with when you look back at Sashi Brown is that he never got his quarterback. He he was like afraid to go get his quarterback. And that's ultimately what doomed him. And also for the Browns fans listening to this, like this is not any kind of shot at you. This is actually crediting the franchise for recognizing when to move on and how to do it. Like they... I'm glad that they tried something different, right? Yeah. With Sashi Brown. I'm also glad that they realized it wasn't probably going to work with him because they needed a true scout in there. Like John Dorsey, that's a decision maker. And guess what? The Browns are going to be pretty fucking good. And I'll say this about the Niners and people ask all the time, like, Hey, like, why are you so down on the Niners? Because they need someone like that. They need a John Dorsey right now. John Lynch, hell of a player. 
Hall of Fame player. Pretty good commentator. I don't know that he knows anything about being a general manager, and the Niners' drafts have not been good. Like, Mike McGlinchey was a pretty good pick, but otherwise have not been good. And, like, they they like, oh, Adam Peters is the guy. Well, hasn't been so far, and you got a head coach who doesn't really want to evaluate. He just wants to, you know, like, scheme up plays, call offense. Like, See, Matt, he, I, I, also, I also, not to butt in here, but I also have a fear that, yeah, sure, like, Kyle isn't going to be, like, this full-time evaluator. But I think sometimes the worst part about John Lynch is there's times where he clearly doesn't push back at the right times against Kyle. Like yes. you're like CJ Beathard in the third round is a Kyle Shanahan pick. Joe Williams. These are the like that's the kind of stuff where you do need yeah. the GM there to go, hey man, like trust me, we've been watching this guy for a couple of years. You're, you're probably wrong on this one. You're just wrong. And Kyle Shanahan's a strong personality. I would imagine he likes working with John Lynch because in a way he probably has final say over a lot of things. Yeah. But I, I think even if they want to keep John Lynch there, I do think they need some kind of personnel guy that it, it's almost like what the Raiders did with, I think, what they did with Mayock for Gruden. Like Gruden made some bad decisions in his first yeah. offseason with the Raiders. This year, Mike Mayock's first year there, they've made a lot of good ones. So really you, you do need that counterpart sometimes, and the relationship has to be right where that coach trusts him. And I, I don't know if we have that in San Francisco right now. I'm curious to see how it goes this offseason. And in Oakland, they also brought in Ryan Gregson, which we can all laugh at. But, like, if he's not picking the players, if he's just helping Mayock with the contract stuff, like, that's good. He has experience. That's what you needed. And this is not me auditioning for a job in San Francisco either because, like, I would be I would be woefully unprepared. Like, if I if, say – the Mayock thing were to ever a team were ever to be dumb enough and drunk enough to call me and offer a job. The first thing I would do have to do is go get someone who's been a director of college scouting or player personnel and hire them because like there's just so much that the evaluating players part is the easiest part of the job. It's everything else that's so hard. Without a doubt. That's the thing. It's not about, this is something that is, is super hard to explain sometimes and, and something that I fully didn't understand until the last couple of years is, like the film and talent is a piece of the puzzle. That's it. It's a piece of yeah. the puzzle. And unless that character and ma- this is a really good one because we we hit home the character thing on this show a lot. And I think our listeners are very in tune with that. They can kind of tell when we're not talking up a guy. I think medicals have become the hardest one. Like, yep. I don't know if you remember this, Matt. A couple years ago after Malcolm Mitchell was drafted pretty late by all standards for what kind of talent he was yeah, coming out of really Georgia. Good player. So yeah. he was taken in the fourth round by New England, pick 112. And we're everyone's sitting there and they're like, man, this guy should have been a top 65 pick, good, talented player. And after the draft, you know, we always catch up with a lot of people that are, are, do, are doing these evaluations to the full. It's not area scouts, like actual decision makers. Right. Uh, those people don't talk, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guess what? So... And the biggest thing we heard across the board about Malcolm Mitchell was liked the player, loved the character. He won't last more than a few seasons because he has a chronic knee condition. Yep. And New England, who just wins year after year and plugs and plays players, can take that kind of risk in the fourth round. Teams that need to develop five to seven year talents cannot. Right. And that's something that, like fans, I don't blame them, but it's just one of those things when a guy is valued way lower than what you think. Sometimes there is more to the story, more pieces of the puzzle, and it's just very interesting part of the process. And it's hard. And it's not easy. Right. And before we move on to a separate topic, 
do you know I had him ranked at 150 that year because teams told me, hey, that knee's really, really bad. So, like, sometimes you have those relationships and people will help you. Like, hey, um, really good player, right? But the knee's bad. It's like JHI, you know, when he was coming out. Yep. We all loved him. But you knew the knee was bad, so it had to be a calculated risk of when to draft him, which is why he fell in the in the draft. You know, he ended up being... I had him in a second round grade. He ended up being, I think, a fourth round pick. Like there's there's a reason for that. And there will be guys this year, and this is a great segue into Taylor Rapp's Pro Day. There will be players this year that we all like a lot. And we're like, you know, Taylor Rapp on film is a top 20 player in this class, right? Yep. Um, Jeffrey Simmons on film is a top five player in this class. Those are ones that we know about. Taylor Rapp ran between a 4.70 and a 4.75 at his Pro Day. And guess what? That's not good enough for a safety. It's just not. Like I I tweeted yesterday and was like, I love his film. I think he's a first round player. And immediately a GM hit me up, called me, was like, hey, dude, like I just want to tell you because you might want to take that tweet down. He will not go in the first round because there are thresholds and four seven, four, I think is what they had him at, will not pass. Like we can't draft him in the first round. My defensive coordinator would strangle me if I took a safety who ran a four seven four in the first round. So he's like, you just, you know, just giving you a heads up. I was like, oh, well, shit, tweet's already been sent. So, no, it's a, it's a great example, though. I think when you look at it, like, I admittedly, I would be, I remember when we did the top 25s, I said, hey, I'm pretty close to sign, sealed, and delivery on this. That impacted it. Like, I had Taylor Rapp, yeah. I think, at 14 before he ran that. And now I have him at 20, and I'm still stacking. So, like, I, I mean, he'll finish as a top 25 player for me, no doubt. I'm well aware he's not going in the first round. But that does matter. Like, that does limit parts of your game. And, I mean, I think to a much more extreme example, somebody that's been very close to this show and on this show and talked about it, it's like Tony Jefferson had a really bad 40 time. And people yeah. liked his game. People liked him. Like, at the end of the day, that just it'll cost you a couple of yeah. rounds because it is a threshold and it makes you an outlier. And, and with Tony, it was like, um, you know, the coaches also talk shit about him. So that, that hurt. You know, doesn't I, help. I think with, with Taylor Rapp, I'll say this. I I will keep him as a top 32 player without a doubt. Like, no question. Yeah, me right? too. This guy's, this guy's really good. I bet he goes round two. Yeah, I, I bet actually, I, st- I can see like top 50. I have him ranked at 22. Yeah, I have him at 20. Yeah. 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 Um, what's, what's funny is he's just going to fall to a better team. Like, how worse? <laughs> like, this is the kind of guy New England takes at 32, and they're like, they don't even know his 40 time because Bill just watches tape, right? And he's like, ah, oh, this guy's really good. Why is he on the board? You know, and just drafts him, um, which would be unfortunate for the rest of the NFL. But he's going to fall to a spot now where, like, couldn't you see the Colts draft him at 34? Oh, easily. I'll, I'll tell you what the best fit in the entire draft is. The Rams after losing Mark Barron. Oh, yeah. That's what he is at the next level. Like, he's actually a little more versatile than Mark yeah. Barron. But... In terms of plug and playing, like you got Eric Weddle back there and John Johnson. But if you want a chess piece yeah, for the that's box, him. that's him. I mean, if he falls to the second round, like Arizona at 33, they would they should draft him. Colts at 34, obviously. Oakland at 35, probably not because some of the free agency moves they've made. San Francisco at 36, the Giants at 37. But he's not lasting. Yeah. Losing Landon very Collins. Far. I yeah, mean, Jesus. There you go. But they Taylor got Rapp. Jabril Peppers. So, oh, moving on. Um, so they're okay. So, uh, huge trade. And when I say huge, just kind of. It was funny because if, I hope you guys have been listening on your smart speakers. Matt does 
stick to football news briefings every day. And once in a while, they will be a little delayed instead of at three in the morning because trades happen at the end of the day. And I said, yeah, we'll just we'll record now. You don't need to do it. Nothing's going to happen. Literally three minutes after he leaves his office, the Chiefs trade for (laughs) Manny Agba. So I I even fucking said, like, I should probably wait. Like, there might be a trade. And I was like, nah, we're good. Um, We should like somehow release the audio. The first bit of news in the news briefing was that Agba was on the trade block and that the Chiefs should trade for him. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And guess what? Uh, They did. I like this fit a lot. And I think, listen, the return was basically not much at all for the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Like, it's a wash. Yeah. For the Chiefs. This is a player that is probably going to see starter reps next year, depending how the draft goes. And I think you said it before we started recording the show today, Matt. He's a versatile piece up front. He is. And I think for Steve Spagnolo, that's important because he can kick inside on run to, or on third down and play some tackle, but he can also play on the outside. And with the, the Chiefs now running a 4 3 defense, they're going to be very versatile up front. And I think that's what fits him best. Now, the questions with Agba have always been. Is he tough enough? Like, there's always been, you know, concerns about, ah, this guy's like a little weak, um, you know, mentally, not physically, and a little soft. So will he be able to come in and be that ass kicker? And hopefully a situation like this will benefit him to where, you know, he he can get that that kick in the ass that he needs and that they will see that, okay, it's, it's him, Chris Jones, Brandon Speaks, and Derek Nottie. Like, that's probably your front four as of right now. I think for Kansas City, the good thing is that this just gives them flexibility at 29. They don't have to draft an edge rusher. And like we said on Mock Draft Monday, they they probably can't at 29 because they will all be gone. So this makes it, I think, less of a need that you have to fill like right now. It gives you a little bit of space, a little bit of time that you have someone who can be a, can be a, a starter and, and play fairly well. But then you have those two picks in round two where you might be able to get someone who can come in and be maybe more of a, a speed rusher to counter the power that you now have in these two guys. And also, Matt, what if this is this is also insurance? I know you said it's insurance for their draft overall. Maybe they can find a trade offer to really make a splash where they're going, well, we have enough starting talent where we could package some of these picks and yeah. get, a, get an impact piece somewhere. I mean, Veach, if anything, has shown he's aggressive, very right. aggressive. So, and I think for the Browns, like this is a player you replaced. You, I mean, you got Olivier Vernon in the trade, and oh, they're fine, <laughs> right? And you bring in Eric Murray. You needed safety depth after trading away Jabril Pepper. So, and Eric Murray was someone who played corner at Minnesota. Good athlete, uh, good athlete. Probably someone that can be uh, a nickel. You know, whether you put him on, in the slot or if he's playing like a nickel safety, like he gives you some versatility, which they need. Um, I wouldn't be shocked, depending on what they do in the draft, if if he actually has to play some minutes because the opposite our guy, Demarius Randall, they need another safety right now still. All right, winners and losers of the entire draft process. We've had Senior Bowl, we've had Combine, we've had Pro Days, on and on, interviews across the board, and some players made themselves a lot of money, and unfortunately, some guys probably lost themselves a couple of dollars. Matt, winner number one for you. Dude, it has to start with Montez Sweat. And, and remember, we're going back. We're going back to NFL PA and Shrine Week in the middle of January all the way till now. Montez Sweat helped him out himself out so much. I mean, it started the Senior Bowl to weigh in at 6'5 and 3 quarters, 260 pounds, 35 and 3 quarter arm length, 10 and a half inch hands. Like he walked through weigh-ins and people were like, damn, like that dude is impressive, right? 
Then first day of practice, he puts uh, Andre Dillard in the dirt. Six feet just under. Like, exactly. Just like <laughs> ragdolls the dude. So it was just such an impressive week for him. And then we go a month later to the combine. And, and we had been talking him up like he was a top 12, 13 player. He went out and ran a 4-4-1 in the 40-yard dash at that size. Uh, that It's unreal. It's like I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. As much hype as like Rashawn Gary and guys like that got, Montez Sweat had the best combine of anyone. And and not just that. He's three cone, seven seconds. That's a really good time for him. Like that's it's excellent time for an edge rusher. And when you turn on his tape, like it, it, it looks the part. And my thing about uh, edge rushers is when you have athleticism and production, those guys rarely miss. Like, I mean, and he's up there with like Daniel Hunter, Jadavian Clowney yep. as some of the more athletic edge rushers that I have seen in my eight years doing this. So Montez Sweat, you talk about making himself some money. He absolutely did it. Yeah. I mean, and I think the Daniel Hunter comp is, is one I used for him actually. So I really like that. You mentioned that you talk about that kind of size profile and athleticism. It, it is a perfect segue into my first winner of the entire draft process. Brian Burns. I mean, when you look at the questions that he had to face coming out of a fantastic junior season at Florida state, it was, well, he's playing probably around 225, 230 pounds. And you go, okay, well, the film's great. The production's great. We know he's very athletic. Can he put on the necessary weight for the next level and still test the same? And he does. Shows up to the combine right under 250 and absolutely kills it. I mean, a 4-5, 340-yard dash, a 7-0-1-3 cone. He jumps through the roof at 36 vert, 129 broad jump. When you look at what Brian Burns did this season, Everybody likes the production. Everybody likes the array of moves in his pass rush plan. But the biggest question that scouts wanted answered was, can he do this at a bigger weight? And that's exactly what he did. So I love what Brian Burns has done. He has solidified himself as easily a top 15 pick. I mean, I like him more than than we liked Harold Landry last year. I think he's that kind of explosive pass yeah, rusher on the healthier. edge and healthier. And I mean, everyone you talk to loves his attitude, his work ethic. So for Brian Burns, you can't, you couldn't have capitalized on these last couple months more than he did. Yeah. I, he's been absolutely great. And he interviewed with us was fantastic. I I'm on board 100% with him being a top 15 pick in this draft. Let's move on now to a loser. And I'm going to go with Taylor. This Rapp. one breaks and my heart. It does. And it was so hard for me because I went back yesterday and like, I watched some more tape, like, okay, is the speed an issue there? I mean, there are times he opens his hips and tries to, you know, get over the top and yeah, his long speed is not great. What's crazy is his short shuttle was sub four seconds. Like he's so short area quick, but the 40, I mean, we make fun of it. It matters or they wouldn't do it. And it matters enough that, like I said, he's going to be below the threshold or excuse me, above the threshold and not be drafted in the top 32 most likely. So hopefully teams will wisen up. And like we said, somebody late in round one will be like, this guy's just a really good player. Let's just go ahead and get him because his short area quickness, his instincts, his tackling ability, his versatility are all very, very impressive. But when you look at that 40 time, if it's four, seven, four, like that one team had, that's not going to get it done, man. That's just not fast enough. So unfortunately, I think Taylor Rapp lost himself some money. And I have a similar one to counter off that and a loser here in the defensive back group. Jawan Williams. I mean, everybody loved that he's right around 6'4", uh, you know, the length to succeed in coverage. 
But when you run a four six four as a corner, it's a problem. It's simply a problem. And guess what? I'll actually read a bit from my original scouting report. So I did his scouting report before the combine. And I saw a lot of people with kind of a different take. A lot of people thought, you know, probably first round player. And I was like, uh. and I said a lot of good things about him. But one thing I did say is struggles to open, open his hips to turn and run deep down the field and gets grabby beyond five yards. And when you run a four six four, it's like, well, maybe there's a reason. So I'm not saying the guy can't play. I'm not saying the guy shouldn't be drafted in the first four rounds. I'm just saying when you have the kind of hype as a top 50 pick as a corner, a four six four is just not going to do it. Yeah, and even when he, I think at pro day he got down to four five five, which means almost nothing because it's the same thing. I always say, I always say, you know, you give or take, right? What a tenth of a second. Right. That's, that's kind of how it goes. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's so. a good sign. It's not worse. It's not like Ja'Kai Polite. Yeah. So speaking of which, and it, well, speaking of. well, later on. Anyways, go on. We're going to get to him. Don't worry. Oh, we'll God. get to him. I, All right. I got another winner for you, though. How about Kyler Murray? Do you remember early Ooh. January? We were like, hey, I think he might play football. Right. Like, <laughs> and so um, we started evaluating him, covering him. And at the time, I can remember conversations about hey, he'll be a, a second round pick. And I was, I remember the first person who told me that I like looked at them. And I was like, you realize that Lamar Jackson went 32, right? Like Kyler Murray's 10 times better than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, but and he went 32. It's like, this kid's going to go top 10. Now he is, in my opinion, he's a lock to be the number one pick in the draft. So uh, folks want to talk about all the money he gave up by not playing for the A's. And you know what? Maybe he would have been the next Mike Trout and got $430 million. Most likely, he would not have. Nope. But in the NFL, he's going to do just fine. He's the number one pick, and the endorsement money is going to make it all up. He's going to be okay. Kyler Murray, uh, and, and for what had to be like a stressful you know, month for him trying to figure things out, I mean, he is he's absolutely won this process. He's going to go down as the first player ever to be a top 10 pick in the MLB and NFL draft. So I, I'm glad congratulations. you him because isn't it overlooked? Like how big this has been for him. Yeah. It's like we get so caught up in the, oh, he's going number one. Like nobody's been like, you know what? That's really impressive. Like it is an accomplishment to be a sub six foot quarterback and be a number one overall pick because you know why you are revolutionizing the process. He really is. I think so many people just look at it and they're like, yeah, it's just because, because Cliff Kingsbury, if nope. Cliff didn't draft him at one, John I, would I, take him. At four, yeah, someone's going to draft this dude early. Someone will be trading up like crazy. So I, I'm with you there. And to have a another obvious but still not so obvious one, Ed Oliver. I mean, come on. Like, we heard, Matt, from everybody that had an opinion coming out of the, that area that uh, the guy's six feet tall. Uh, he's probably 260 pounds. At the, and I know he came in a little lighter at the pro day. But, you know, six foot two, 287 pounds, absolutely incredible athlete. The film is good. I know the box score is not. The film is good. The guy can wreak havoc. It's not, it's not his fault that teams run away from him, double team him. He plays nose and shade nose a ton at his size. Like, Ed Oliver is the real deal. And I'm glad that now, because he looked like a really good athlete at his pro day, he's going <laughs> to be a top 10 pick. Oh, shit. No way. Like, have you been awake for the last three years? I mean... I love Ed Oliver, and I'm glad that he is exactly who we always thought he was. And I think he has another guy like Brian Burns has checked 
every single question off. Oh, and the last one, because he got into a sideline argument with oh, one of the most obnoxious coaches in college football at the time. Everybody loved him in his interviews because yep. he's genuine. He's tough. He is who he is. So if that's your he's concern, funny. mark that one off, too. He's funny. Yeah. He rides horses him. and he's really cool. So Ed Oliver, good for you, man. Yeah, I don't understand why people are have been and I people get I bored. People like I almost mean NFL teams. Like I don't understand why they've been so weird about this. You know, like um, he's a really really good player. Don't overthink it. And I don't honestly don't know if he will be a top ten pick, but he should be. You know, I mean, it, like absolutely should be a top ten pick. No questions asked. Like, yeah, I think I think he's he should Gino be the Atkins. mistake of the draft. So if teams overlook this, I like that. I don't like the Aaron Donald comp. I really no, don't I, like I had to get a, completely away from it. And I think Atkins was the closest I can get. Like if I was ever going to have an issue with Ed Oliver, it was that it was that people were saying he was Aaron Donald and like, ah, oh, guys, it's not, it's up. not really fair. No, so, it's not fair to anyone. To I mean, probably the greatest perfect. defensive player of the last, what, how many years? So a long like, time. Yeah, exactly. So it's, that's kind of lofty. You know, I have not put a comp on him yet. There's like a, a lot of the top guys I haven't put a comp on. Quentin Williams, Josh Allen, Ed Oliver, or Rashawn Gary. Because I don't fucking know. Well, I give you like, permission to steal mine. So I might. You could I had it. Gerald McCoy in there for a while. Okay. I mean, that's fitting. Yeah. Like, so, that's, anyway. that's, that's, the, my point is, like, those are close comps. You know what I mean? Not yeah. everybody's going to have like, oh, shit, that's exactly who he is, reborn. Like, no, it's not how it works. You just try no, to get close. You're looking at traits and or athleticism. Yep. That's it. Yeah, people get like up in arms about comparisons. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh hey. I know. I, I said Quinn Williams um, is Fletcher Cox, but has a chance to be better. And every, like, not everyone. A lot of people are like, oh, that's great. Like, but some people were like, no, that's Jeffrey Simmons. And I'm like, relax. Like, he hasn't even done anything all People just all say that because he went to Mississippi State, though. I just, whatever, man. Like their 10 yard splits are almost identical and rare. Yeah. And that to me is very important. So, you know, I wanted to go Trey flowers for Rashawn Gary, but like he, Trey flowers is six, two. And I knew someone would be like, that's not right. Yeah. You know, like, okay, people <laughs> calm the fuck down. Uh, all right. Where are we at here? Uh, loser time. Yeah. Uh, and I know this one hurts you. It kills like, me, but it's the, it's real talk. I mean, come on. Tape is good. His interviews might be the worst in the draft. Jaikai Polite. And I, I hate it because, like, this draft needs edge rushers who can bend because they're all going to go top 15. Like, the Chiefs need this dude at 29 so badly, but I don't think they can take him now. He looked, like, you talk about Harold Landry. I got a hard, like, Harold Landry vibe from him. And I know you had said Melvin Ingram. Like, he's he's not the biggest guy, but he's incredibly slippery around the edge. He has true bend in his hips, which is hard to find. And unfortunately, I think he falls to the late second, early third round as of now. I agree. I mean, poor Jakai. I don't know. I, I don't want to say he was led astray, but something seems wrong here. Like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I He seems hurt, and he's trying to test through it. There is he, no way Jakai Polite is like a five, whatever, 40 yard run. He also said he wasn't ready mentally for the combine. Yeah, that's, that scares me. I know it sucks, man. Like it sucks. I, I, I thought Kim Jones did a really good job of, she interviewed him and she's like, can we give him a little bit of a break here? Like, and actually listen to what he has to say. I'm not saying he's not in the wrong. He had a bad process. It's that's factual on paper is a bad process. But I hope he has a really good NFL career. And for another guy like that, 
some things kind of out of his control and some things in his control. Jalen Ferguson, he's yeah. a speed to power kind of guy. And he, like we said about Montez Sweat to Andre Dillard earlier, he will put you in the ground. The problem is Jalen Ferguson ran, I think it had a 808 three cone, which is that like, bad. that's historically slow. I mean, I would, was trying to find out if he fell down. Me too. Like, I, I'm not being, no, fun. no, no. Like that's the only way I could think of that happening. But besides that, his, you know, him being blocked from participating in the combine for an altercation he had as a freshman in college, that didn't do many favors either. So you look at it, and he didn't really wow a lot of people at the Senior Bowl. Like I said, some things in his control, some things out of his control. But at the end of the day, this is somebody that I would say late December, early January, we're like, man, Jalen Ferguson could sneak into the end of the first round for a really uh, yeah. edge, edge rush needy team. I mean, the Rams. That's not happening. No. Patriots, Chiefs, like those teams all kind of made sense for him yeah. because I think he is a 4-3 defensive end. I, I, I like him in that role, but and I actually, it's funny you mentioned, I remember looking for a video of the three cone and being like, oh God, like this is this is bad. Like, I want to know now what I would do with three cone in. Yeah, you know, he just looked like out of balance, which, you know, you, you get to do it, what, twice? And if you, like, if you fuck up, you fuck up. Like, it's just, it, and here's the thing, like, talking about Polite and Ferguson, I don't know who their agents are, so I might piss someone off here. This is why it's so important to hire the right agent, because people can make fun of agents and how you don't need one. You need one when you're going through this process, because you need someone getting you ready for the combine, doing the mock interviews, doing the mock wonder licks, getting you in a testing facility that, they can see, oh, okay, well, he's doing really poorly on the three cone. Let's focus on that. You know, if you're historically bad, let's work on hip flexibility and let's work on timing and just running through the drill to get used to it. Because it, I mean, these are two players that should have been first round picks and no now doubt. will not be. Dude, you can get better at things. Like I had heard yeah. from somebody that was there and would know. Nikhil Harry was running closer to four seven than four five. And it wasn't because he's slow. It's because he didn't know how to master the start. Yep. And guess what he ran? Because he busted his ass with the right people for a while. A 4-5-3. That's significant improvement. Yes. And it goes to show you that. And Miko Hardman said this to you guys. He said, man, like some days you just don't have it the way you start. Now, 4-3-3 is pretty damn good. He was disappointed with that because he goes, when my start's on, I could go 4-2-4. So... It's this, you're right, Matt, like preparation for this is everything. And there are guys that significantly improve. They don't leave any meat on the table is what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. All right. Here's another winner for you, dude. Someone that throughout the process, uh, you know, he came out early. So I didn't, I didn't watch him a ton in college. I'll be honest about it. I I did not expect him to come out and he did. So I had to get caught up. Miles Sanders owned this process, dude. Uh, at 5'11", 211 pounds, he ran a 4'49". He benched 20 times. He ran a 6'89", three cone, 4'19", short shuttle. Those are all really, really good times for him at that size. And you also have a dude who was a really low mileage because he was behind Saquon Barkley oh, yeah. for two years. Former he had less than 300 carries in college. Derrick Henry had that in like four games. Yeah, man. So, there are concerns a little bit about, man, he likes to dance a little bit in the backfield, and he did get shut down by Ohio State and Michigan, but I think some of that goes to the scheme at Penn State as well. So uh, Miles 
Sanders now for me, I think is running back three draft 400 came out this morning. Um, and the running backs came out. So I should just open that article and read it. <laughs> it's a good idea. But I, I think he is the number three running back for us. Yeah, that's where I have him. I have it Montgomery Jacobson, miles Sanders, and I have him firmly in the middle to actually earlier half of the second round. So I, I like him a lot. I think he's, yeah. I think he could be a really good skill guy. And I think, He's kind of been slept on for a while. I mean, he was a five-star for a reason. Like, the guy has always yep. been super talented. He just had to wait behind a generational running back. I know we love throwing that phrase around. So He really uh, was, though. Yeah, he was, though. I mean, he's, the guy's awesome. So, all right, my last winner, A.J. Brown. I mean, 226 pounds. I think he went a 6.89 on his three-cone. This is and, my guy. And sub 4.5. Uh, I have some news to break, Matt. And it. you're. I, I don't know if you'll be disappointed in me or happy with me. I have moved AJ Brown over Kelvin Harmon. Yeah. Yep. I have. There we go. Yeah, I have him over Kelvin Harmon. I have him. Let's. I know I have him in like the top twenty. He might even be higher now. He's so, so good. I have him nineteenth overall. AJ Brown. Yeah. And I originally compared him to Quincy Inunua, who's a really good athlete, by the way. He just can't stay healthy. Yeah. That body though, six one two twenty six. When you can move like that, and he's nasty after the catch. I love AJ Brown. I think this has been a fantastic process for him. I know the uh, the shirtless pick DK Metcalf got all the love, but don't sleep on the guy standing next to him because he's no, AJ awesome. looks good. In it. He's awesome. He's good, and he, he's I love him. Like I compared him to Juju, um, which is like a, a you know he's, but I think he's faster. But Juju is so field fast as opposed to like track fast. No doubt. So um, AJ is just a great route runner and. Like folks who've listened to my receiver evaluations for years know that like, that's what I like. You have to be able to catch. Like if you're a good route runner and you can catch, I'm going to love you. And that's AJ Brown's number one for me. Um, I have a, a 16 overall and yeah, I mean, he's, he's special. So I'm proud of you, dude. That happens every year. We always like, we start out, you know, uh, I, well, last year, I think I had Josh Allen, you had Josh Rosen. Right. Yep. To start the year. Yep. And I remember you told me like October on the show, you were like, dude, Sam Darnold is going to be your number one quarterback. Yeah, I type. did say that. Like, wow, you have a good memory. So your type. You yeah. have a really good memory. That was about a year and a half ago. And I said, I have yeah. a prediction for you. Yep. And uh, you know what? I, I want to be clear about this. Like, I would rather be right in the end of it than stubborn. And oh, God, I, st- yeah. I still love Kelvin Harmon. But the bottom line is for me, I, I think. AJ Brown is a better receiver. And I think DK Metcalf has more upside. And it's just one of those things where some, I always have a couple late shifts. Like we're in the final stretch run here, final four yep. weeks of evaluating. And I went back again. This is about the third time. Cause I watched AJ Brown over summer, watched him in the season. And now I've really dug into his film again. And I'm like, you know what, man? Like, I think he just has more, he's going to be better as a pro. He just has so much upside. He could do so many different things. And uh, I just, I'd rather be right. So there you go. And that's like my thing, like this time of year, we're, we're doing so much work for draft 400. And I, I said this on the Monday show, I have notes and I have opinions about players all year, all year. But when you take those notes and put them like you, you put them together and it's, you got strengths, weaknesses, and I got to put a grade on this player. Like a, a lot changes when you're like, I don't want to put a first round grade on this guy. Like I'm not I, comfortable I with agree. that. You that know? happened to me with Haskins. Yeah, Like, I was sitting there, and I was like, man, I've loved Dwayne Haskins before he ever took a snap. But I still think he's an early second-round grade out of quarterback. So it's one of those things where you got to be like, it's interesting. Like, I think, and I love the listeners of our show knowing, like, who my guys are. But it doesn't always mean they're my top ten players. I think that's an important thing. Yeah, it's Remember the Red Star thing you were talking about? We're doing it soon. Yeah, Yeah, like, that's a perfect example of it. You're Red Star guys. So... 
It's, and like I think our tough. red star guys should not be first rounders. I agree. You know, I agree. It's like it's easy to be like Josh Jacobs is my guy. Josh Jacobs is a lot for of most people is going to be a first rounder. You know, yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah no it's doubt. not fair. All right, one more loser for me, Elijah Holyfield. My goodness, you talk about people still running things. Yeah, him and this Jaylen man Ferguson. is still running his forty. Um, it's bad, dude. It, his forty. I mean, here four eight one, four seven eight at the combine, and then his pro day was not any better. Like, and and you're supposed to be faster at your pro day so it, it was just it wasn't great um i know that he's a great person everyone like raves about him as a person but it, it's just it's not there man he ran a four seven six i think at pro day which is really really bad for a running back it's like i don't know if he'll be drafted bad yeah i, I think so i think when you play running back and you just have those kind of testing times and you were just okay in college like i remember when i watched his film i was like he's all right like, I don't get the people that are like, this is the one, this is the guy you're missing here. Let me tell right. you something, buddy. And I'm just like, all right, he's okay. I mean, that's that's not meeting the threshold. And, you know, speaking of not meeting the threshold, you want to talk about somebody that had some significant off-field concerns, but everybody always likes the player as a top 50 talent. Now, whether he's going to be drafted or not was the question. Preston Williams Oh, I mean, yeah, dude, it's just it's not good. I, like, I don't know that I've ever seen a bigger discrepancy between tape and workout. I So these are pro day times. So keep in mind, this is curved. We like to say a four. Yeah, six, you got to add a four, six, one, 40, dude, a seven, 11, three cone, 31 and a half inch vertical. I have a way Which is bad. I have a way better vertical than that. And I've seen him jump and moss people on yep. tape, moss people. Like, I don't, I don't get this. I don't get, like, this is bad, bad testing. And it's one of those things where you go, well, if you had high character, you're like, you know, it goes back to this, like Kelvin Harmon, who tested better than that is one of those exceptions. Cause I I think he plays like Stevie Johnson did. Like, he's just always going to be more physical than you. And that's how he's going to have to win. And sometimes that won't work. Preston Williams, that like, he was supposed to be athletic and he's not. And he, the character thing is, I, I don't think he gets drafted. That's what I'll say. I think he does actually. Okay. Um, but you're right. Like if he doesn't, we'll be able to be like, okay, well, here's why. But the tape is just so good. It's great that, yeah. I, I think it's to be clear here. I think it's the character mixed with right the, the workout where now great player, and I do hope he's turned his his life around from you know the incidents that have come up. Yeah. Um. I, I think teams are going to have are going to be cautious, I would like to say. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, you know who's someone who hasn't had any questions in the draft process? Uh, I, hear, I hear Foster Moreau or, Foster Me- or Moreau. Mello. It depends oh, which one you want to answer the question. <laughs> Both of them, actually. <laughs> Mello probably has more red flags than Foster Moreau. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to that interview. Mello and I talked to him Thursday, and it's a treat. You guys are going to love it. Mello, uh, one of my favorite players in the draft, you know this, and he knows that I hope now that I've just said it and he's on the phone, Foster Moreau, tight end LSU. And I remember sitting in our box at the Senior Bowl and being like, he is catching everything. Like, look at the dude out there. We went into the weekend knowing, like, okay, this guy can block. And then we found out, actually, he can kind of catch, too. Catch a little bit, dude. Thanks for hopping on the show. We are, like, I'm fanboying as much as someone who's covered the NFL for a decade can about talking to a prospect. I'm, I'm very excited to have you on. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we could do this. This is a, I mean, it's a cool experience, obviously, um, going through the draft process and, and this is just kind of one of the, 
one of the benefits is I get to sit down and talk to guys like you guys who uh, who seem to know the game pretty pretty well and. And yeah, it's it's pretty cool. We pretend to anyway. I want to <laughs> ask you. Um, I think well, you and I started talking because I think because you probably saw a tweet of mine where I compared you to George Kittle. When you see things like that, are you like Matt? Shut up! Don't let like I don't want you telling people I'm that good because he's an All Pro. Or are you like, damn right I am. Like yeah, I'm that kind of player. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Kittle Kittle could easily turn into a generational talent. Um, you know, guy was drafted in the fifth round. Um. And since then, he's he's kind of been a stud and really found a great great niche up in San Fran. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of it's a matter of me trying to be myself first um, before I could really be anyone else. Um, but I mean, that's a that's a that's a great comparison. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I love that. It's just you know, you know, if you thought I was Kittle and, and you owned a few draft picks, then at the end of the day, <laughs> then that would probably mean a little bit more. Uh, of course. But you know, I mean, obviously, I love the media. I'm, I'm normally pretty involved with the media. If you if you talk to any LSU media people down here, um, you know, I love those guys. And um, yeah, it's just it's nice to see that. You know, it's that's a cool comparison, and that's another that's a little added bonus of uh, of of the draft experience. I gotta ask off the top here, what was your major at LSU? My major, I I majored in sports administration, graduated. Um, graduated in December. I wanted to go um, like the kinesiology route and go the physical therapy route. Um, it wasn't going to work though because you have to do like uh, you have to do like an internship and and it's got to be like a whole half year, almost like three quarter year internship through like the LSU training facility. Uh, and uh, with the whole draft thing, uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite going to work out. Yeah, I was just curious because I'm not going to lie. It kind of sounds like you have your shit together. Uh, <laughs> yeah, might, might be yeah. one of the smarter guys we've talked to. I don't know. Yeah, like Thank maybe you. political appreciate, political appreciate science that. might have been maybe the route for you to go. Or I would marketing, like I would have expected that. It's very polished. So we're probably going to pick up some tips from you. One thing that we've had, uh, we had Jacob Hester on. We actually were at the LSU-Georgia game when you guys uh, kicked their ass. <clears throat> but we were out there tailgating for like six <laughs> hours before, so... The end of the game, we were at a bar called Bogey's because, like, we it was hot, so we were like, "Let's go to a bar." And when y'all won, they jumped up on the bar and started uh, pouring shots. I don't know why I went there because that wasn't my question. But shots of uh, <laughs> what? Shots of shots of Jaeger, I assume. Uh, no, I, I think, wouldn't have done I think that. It was fireball. I think it was fireball. Yeah, yeah. So oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it was a good day. What I remember, uh, that's another story for another time. But we had <laughs> Jacob Hester on the podcast that morning, and I, I love Hester. He and I go way back, and and one thing we talked about was the importance of number eighteen, which you got to wear this year. For people who maybe aren't LSU fans, can you just spend a little bit of time talking about how important that number is for LSU? Sure. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, uh, back in like 2003, um, you know, when players didn't really pass numbers to players, um, you know, kind of the first the first pass number that we had down, um, it was from Matt Mark passed it as you were saying to Jacob Hester, and um, it was widely considered that Hester was kind of like the first the first 18, and then Hester passed it on to Richard Dixon, a fellow tight end for the Tigers. Um, yeah, and, and so since then, it, it kind of became tradition that you kind of pass it down to. Um, from senior senior on to senior to the kind of the best program guy, um, the staff takes a vote. I mean, basically everyone involved with the program uh, just kind of takes a vote on um, the best on field, off field kind of um, leadership role player um, um, that 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 we that we have, and it's a it's a huge honor. Um, 
and I was I was so happy to be um, to be selected, and I and I hope I, I filled the shoes as well as I could. Um, yeah, I mean it's a it's a it was a great honor, and um, and it's something that I'll I'll look look fondly on forever. Have you have you passed it on to the next guy yet? I don't know that I heard that. No, no, that goes. Uh, it's the first day of a uh, first day first day of camp. We'll find out. There's a few there's a few uh, prospective prospective student athletes who could have it. Um, you know, I, I know who I'm going to cast my vote for. Um, right. But it's just only time will tell. You know, actually, Hester told me an interesting thing. The guy Hester has voted for every year has always gotten it. <laughs> um, so he's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of voodoo juju going on. Yeah, I would think that after Joe Burrow's bowl game, like that's got to be the guy, right? He'll be a scene. Uh, you don't have to tell us, but I would just think <laughs> Joe Burrow's got to be up there, pretty high on 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 the list of candidates, right? Well, I'd I'd say so. He's he's definitely he'd be in my top three. Um, I just I don't know if he I don't know if he necessarily wants it. Yeah, eighteen's um, a it's a weird quarterback number. And it might be kind of weird to give it to a guy that hasn't like always been at LSU. I don't know if that would play into it since he was a transfer. He seemed to maybe adapt to Baton Rouge life, I mean, all right. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, the guys here love him. Um, the fans, that I mean, obviously my my former teammates, fans, um, coaches. There, I mean, they all love him, and he's, he'd he'd wear it well. It'd be nice to get it back in the quarterback room, seeing how it how it kind of originated from the quarterback giving it to a running back. But I mean, to throw some other names out there. Uh, Rashard Lawrence from the D line room would be a great would be a great pick. So would Braden Fajoko. Um, a couple others. Um, Lloyd Cushenberry would be a great pick. Um, you know, it, it'd be a it'd be an interesting way to see how it all plays out. Um, and I'm obviously going to talk to the guys about it and hear their opinions on it because I don't want to give them a number that they don't want. Um, but I mean, it's obvious it's a it's a huge honor and a very cool tradition that we have down here. Can you guys give it to Grant Delpit and let him work for like two years? How does that work? Oh my God! Yeah, give him seven. Give him, give him seven, and then make him stay and not go in the top ten of the first round next yeah. year. Yeah, and then have him wear uh, and 18. then have him wear eighteen. Oh my God, that would be. I like how we workshopped this, like live talking, uh, doing this. But you just are coming off the combine, and one of our like go-to questions for players is: Did you have any weird moments? You seem like. Mello said, like, you got your shit together. You're probably not getting a lot of questions that are off the wall. But we talked to Cody Ford from Oklahoma, and he was like, yeah, they asked if I did cocaine. I'm like, oh, well, that I can see how you'd want to know that. But, like, did you have any weird oh, yeah, questions? I mean, I, that's a solid question. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> did I have any weird questions? Um, I, I really didn't have any weird questions. I, I The hardest question that I got uh, that I, like, wasn't expected was, like, and it's like a normal question. It's like, do you have any hobbies? Right? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> not really. <laughs> video games. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I don't really play video games. No, um, either. Like that. Like, sure, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I don't find too much time for it. I mean, I like the film. I, I like going and running routes and hanging out with my friends. I mean, basically whatever we're doing, maybe go maybe go to Top Golf or do something like that. You know, I just like going around and, and being active and doing stuff. Yeah, well, I have kind of a weird question for you. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I just want to know, we talked about your number. What number are you going to wear for the Kansas City Chiefs when they draft you? <laughs> Damn, that's a, that's a great question. You can't wear 18. Uh, I don't think they'll let you. Yeah, no, I guess we should CC the Chiefs in this one. Um, you could wear 81, though. It's open. Look, man, whatever whatever number they're willing to give me, uh, so long as it's not within the 60 to 69 range, or 60 to 79 range, I'm cool with 
Yeah, that's a, that you in that offense would be fun. There's top golf too. We'd take you, man. It'd be great. Yeah. Um, do you have any hidden oh, talents? Man, I'd love that. Hidden talents hidden other talents? than Top Golf? Oh, 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 oh! Top Golf's not a talent. Let, let, let me tell you that first and foremost. Uh, if I was actually, if I was actually any good, I might be out on a, a real driving range, or, or maybe on, maybe on the back nine somewhere. Uh, uh, hidden talents. Um, shoot, I mean, I, I shoot hoops a lot. Um, you know, I I do a couple of different things. Um, I, I whistle pretty well. Uh, <laughs> you whistle? Let's hear one. I whistle. Go for it. Just let loose. All right. I don't know how it's going to come over the, over the phone. Who we'll cares? See how it goes. Uh, all right. Let's let's try. Let's try. It. Ooh. Okay, that's yeah, really good. To, yeah, that's really good. A little bit. Yeah, There's that's a little gonna, bit of inflection in there. Yeah, this could be the yeah, new uh, intro song to stick to football. If uh, as long as you're okay with that, we're gonna make it the uh, you whistling. So, how about a Coach O impersonation? Can you do one of those? Oh, I ain't got, I ain't got one, of, I ain't got one of those for you. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it's one can. hard to do. I got, yeah, no, I, I ain't got one of those for you. Um, I mean, he's got such a unique, honestly, such a unique voice. Um, I mean, it's it's incredibly raspy and it's incredibly Cajun. Um, and kind of my thing with it is some people hear it and they kind of, I don't know, they just like, they hear his voice and they, they doubt it. They doubt his intellect and they doubt it, like his, his football prowess. But like, you can obviously tell like the dude, the dude knows what he's doing. Um, and he loves it too. I mean, he plays into it. He knows people love, love when he says, you know, uh, go Tigers. You know, <laughs> he, he's, he's, he said he knows, wasn't going to do one. And then he does one. <laughs> I mean, he knows he knows people love it when he does it, and so he just he plays into it a little bit. Um, he's a good dude, man. Coach has a great guy. Now, would he involved with the recruiting of you? I don't remember when he took over at LSU. Uh, he took over in 2016. Um, I was recruited by uh, Cam Cameron, old Cam Cameron, and, uh, and Frank Wilson, head coach for UTSA. Um, but yeah, actually, funny yeah, funny story. I. I me and Danny Etling had the uh, the last touchdown of the Les Miles era. Wow. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be in an LSU trivia book somewhere. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's going to be a Jeopardy question one of these days. And, and now we all know the answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's my hidden town. I'm pretty good at Jeopardy. How about uh, what's your – you're from New Orleans, right? So what's yeah, yeah. what's your favorite New Orleans restaurant? Ooh, favorite New Orleans restaurant. I got to be careful with what I say here. It's I mean, political, right? Like, yeah. Because, I mean, I could plug some places, maybe get a couple of free meals. You know, <laughs> the NCAA ain't hovering over me. Right. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's open season now, man. Like, you could say Emeralds. Uh, oh, Emerald Lagasse's. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, um, so I love oysters, right? I love raw oysters. I love char-grilled oysters. I love fried oysters. Um, so Drago's. Uh, Drago's in New Orleans. They got two locations. They got a Drago's. Um, it's right by the river, right at the end of Canal Street. And they got a Drago's over in Metairie. Um, I mean, the best char-grilled oysters that you'll ever have in your life. Some of the best seafood you'll ever have. It's fantastic. It sounds like you need to partner up with them and maybe do some right. sales there too, my <laughs> right. man. Jeez, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'm not saying that the owner might be, may or may not be, my uncle, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice plug then. That's yeah, all right. That's nice good. plug. I respect that. What about draft weekend plans? You don't seem like the kind of guy that's going to sit in front of your TV, like waiting, you know, to be picked. 
what do you have planned to kind of keep your mind off of everything that's going on? You you make an excellent point, and I think I, I think you kind of got me down to a T within this 13 minutes we got going here. Um, you know, I, I draft day is a great day to kind of be be selfish and to, you know kind of have a really like great time like and enjoy like enjoy the the hard work you put in and like just see the the culmination of the fruits of your labor kind of come come to fruition you know but i think i'm just going to be around a bunch of family a bunch of friends you know get the whole support system ex-coaches um and i'm going to do as best i can to include as many people as i can and just you know we can all watch together. You know, I'm not going to probably be watching the TV or anything. Um, I'm just going to be walking around, you know, hanging out with, with the people I, I know and the people I love and the people that I hold close to me. Um, and I think it's going to be a great time. And when that phone rings, I'll answer it and, and I'll fall in love with whichever team picks me. Yeah, and I'm telling you, I better be the Kansas City Chiefs or I'm going to be one pissed off guy. <laughs> okay. Mello, I can't control any of that. Mello's texting Brett Veach as we speak. Like, come on, dude. Come, we need another tight end. Go get you one. Uh, before we let you go, because you've been great. We've taken up a lot of your time. We have started playing a game with our guests that we have on, and it's just a word association game. So, like, we say a name or a word, and you just tell us the first thing that comes to your mind. Does that sound okay? I like it. Let's play. Okay. I like it too. Uh, you want to go first, Mello? Yeah. Let's just uh, give you an easy one here. Let's go, Coach O. Vicious. <laughs> Nick Saban. Loud. <laughs> Devin White. Oh, my God. Landshark. Lash, that's a great one. Leonard Fournette. Uh, absolute uh, freaking savage. Jacob Hester. <laughs> uh, White. <laughs> he's so proud of that too though he'll tell anyone who listens that he was like the last white guy to rush for a thousand yards in the sec so that's like, <laughs> i remember we had him when we had him on the podcast as soon as we got done he was like oh shit i i just realized that i could have cussed on your podcast and now everybody that's listening is gonna think i'm just some total square white guy <laughs> like no it'll be all right jacob i, I think you're good to go man oh uh, yeah he'll be fine man he's so worried yeah, he's great. All right, here's a couple more. How about Dylan Moses? Good player. I wanted you to be like, who? <laughs> like, like, no, I, I know Dylan Moses. No, I, I do my scouting reports, though. So. There we go. Yeah, what about if I just say Georgia? Kenneled. <laughs> Kenneled. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Um, how about Alabama? Yeah. Uh, good football team. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, you got one more for him? No, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm good. I got those. one more. Jamal Adams, fast, very fast, yeah, fast and loud too. Yeah, yeah. dude. Uh, oh, oh, he's loud, and he'll let you know he's loud. But I, he's he's got the feet to back it up. I promise. Yeah, he's a heck of a player. All right, dude. We have we're getting you back on. I have your number. I'm going to be blowing you up, and uh, we're getting you back on after you're drafted because this was way too much fun to just do once. Yeah, I'd love to. It was fun. All right, man. Good luck the the next month. We're going to be rooting for you, and Mello's going to start a campaign to get you uh, in he- here in Missouri, where we yeah, are. So, Kansas uh, City. That'll be where yeah, you're all right. going. Yeah. All right, Matt. All right, Mello. Thank you guys for yeah, having me on. Thanks, thanks dude. Man. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks again to Foster Moreau for hanging out with Mello and I. A great interview, but let's get into some draft on draft questions. We got two from our guy, GW Phillips17. First one up, Connor. 
John Dorsey has put together good rosters twice with Kansas City and Cleveland by drafting and trading. Is he great at player personnel, draft evaluation, or does he have a solid backroom team? Oh, I all think three. it's all of it. Yeah. yeah. All three. Yeah. And he's he will take risk that others won't, like Kareem Hunt twice. Right. Because I'm not Tyree saying, kill. yeah, Tyree. I mean, this is the best way this was ever actually put to me once is that certain franchises and certain people are given the chance to take those risks and others aren't like you can't really take those risks when that like franchise is like, I don't know. You wouldn't see like, I don't think the giants or the jets in New York would take those kind of risks. Um, I mean, there's a lot of examples here that I can go through. I think Cleveland and Kansas city have been able to, and it would be fool. You'd be a fool to say it, it hasn't worked on the field for them. You know right. what I mean? So now no, that's not to take away from John Dorsey. The original answer to the question is that he is great at all three. So no, he is. He really is. And he, like the team around him, let's let's give them some credit. Alonzo Highsmith, Hell Elliot yeah. Wolf are fantastic really, at what they, they do. They might be GMs in the next couple right. of years. Yeah, I mean Elliot, especially as a young guy, like he's on the rise. So I, I think you have to give them some credit and say like, okay, like they he has a good team, but that's the important part of being a GM, like. General managers aren't omnipotent. They they don't do everything. They have a staff, you know, that, that helps them. And having the right directors under you is is monumentally important. And like not every general manager is a great scout. I think that's like there's a myth that and it's not always that way. Like I, I think John Dorsey's a very good scout. But sometimes like you got guys who are cap guys, you know, or they're relationship guys, and you yep. have to have good evaluators underneath you. So I, I think John Dorsey's He's really good at, at a lot of things. Let's see if it works out because they've they've assembled the fucking Avengers. Hell of a, so. hell of a start. Right? Hell of a start. And our, our guy GW had one more question. I'll throw this one at you, Matt. With all the weapons on the inside for the New York Giants, on the for the New York Giants now, sorry about that, is Hakeem Butler at the top of the second realistic? Uh, I, I'm confused by that. Are the weapons on the inside... I guess like the lack lot guys. Oh, like Ingram and Ingram, Ingram and Ingram. Step. Okay, yeah. that's my bad. Okay, um, so that makes sense. I don't like Hakeem Butler there, but it does make sense. Like, yeah, they're small. They got Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram's their big receiver. I guess you would say. How about so, Riley Ridley? Yeah, someone like that, like more of a route runner. Um, they, I think they actually think they'll get something out of Corey Coleman. They do have a lot of short guys. Fuck. Uh, that. I Nikhil Harry would be my pick if he's there Ooh, somehow. That that's a good I, fit. I just I can't get on board with Keem Butler because of the drops. Yeah, it's it's a little frustrating. Um, and he kind of does like one route. Like it's like, oh, dude's running a comeback or like it's I, a go route or a comeback. I know people adore him and I, I get it. He he crushed the testing. He has some exciting plays on film. I mean, shit, you and I saw him down in person when we went yeah. down to TCU. Not his best game, but but, you know. It's a it's a very big spectrum player, what I like to call it. The floor is very low, the ceiling is very high. Absolutely. And at is. some point you gotta sit at the table and throw some of your cash on that thing. And yeah. I, I'm not throwing it on the ceiling side. I'll just no, I wouldn't that. either. Like so. I would rather bet on guys who can catch. Like yeah. it's you know so, kind of simple. Our guy GW, sorry I misunderstood the second part of your yeah. question, but uh good I mean, yeah, he's right. Sterling Shepard and Ingram are guys that are gonna live, you know, in the seam slot kind of players the giants do have some holes on the outside right now so yeah, absolutely do i don't understand this next question uh we're so. struggling today all right yeah. well i'll take it coach zach Riker, out of you three who would be taylor luan 
in the hot tub dance contest. I don't know what that is. Oh, when him and um, uh, Quentin Nelson did the... Oh, that's right. Yeah. I think Melo would win. I do, too. I think Melo would win. Like, without a doubt. I don't even think it would be close. That's like just that's one of his mellow and whiskey Dan would be the two people that would do it. You and I would out be, of us. You and I would yeah. be like, mm, we're okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm <laughs> don't okay need to do here. that. It was funny though. Those guys are unbelievable. Bam Bam Bigelow, eighteen. What constitutes a number one wide receiver in today's NFL? Is it the classic X receiver that can win on an island, or is it more complex than that? Who will be a wide receiver one from this year's class? Which receivers are currently number one guys in the NFL? I think it's much more complex than that because sometimes it's like scheme based, you know, like, um, like for your Jets, like Quincy and Nunez, probably not a number one anywhere else or not a lot of places. No, I, I think that's why Robbie Anderson has kind of started to cement that role as a number one because of his speed and he's getting better as a route runner. The, the Jets are a team of number twos, like. Anunwa, Robbie, and Crowder are all kind of number two wide receivers. Some would say Crowder's a three. So um, to answer this question, like, okay, let's break it down. Like, look at Julio Jones, right? Right. There's no, and I know people will say, what about the red zone? Like, that's not his fault. There's no part of the field where Julio Jones can't excel because he has the size, the catch radius, the speed, the route running, the playmaking after the catch, good hands, and he will win one-on-one, and sometimes he'll beat double teams. That's a number one. Like, there's nothing that you can't ask of Julio Jones. And right. Antonio Brown, same thing. So, Devontae Adams is getting closer there than people realize. Michael Thomas is a number one. Yeah, Michael Thomas, Mike Antonio Evans. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans. Uh, obviously, A.J. Green has been OBJ. banged up, but A.J., of course. Odell Beckham, I mean, he needs to stay healthy, but holy shit, man. Like, yeah, he has all the talent in the world to be one of those guys easily year after year. So, in this class... I don't know. DK has the upside. He has the chance, yeah. But like, so Hakeem Butler does too. Yes. He, oh, of course they do. I actually think this goes back to an earlier conversation we had. AJ Brown has a chance. Yeah, he does. If he can get in a scheme that will like let him run a lot of slant routes and like yeah, let him it, work underneath. His releases as an outside receiver right now are just are, are not, um, you know or not perfected, I will say that, to yeah. put it pl- Like, he does struggle sometimes on the outside. Yeah. But you see the athleticism, the size, the body type to transform into a guy that does win there. So that's what, I love that question because it's something we do talk about this show. Like, just because you're the number one wide receiver on the team doesn't make you a number one wide out. There's only a couple of them in the league. And it's, yeah. you know, it's interesting. It's um, There are guys that can transform into that, some of the young guys. But it, these draft classes, like, they just don't always have one. And I know we're going to forget some other people are going to be like, what about this guy? Like Doug Baldwin. Like uh, he's kind no. of a, mm. no. he is for them. I don't think he would be for anyone exactly. else. Exactly. So. Exactly. Emmanuel Sanders is another guy like that. Like he's so productive every year, but he's not a number one wide receiver. Right. It's, um, yeah. and I'm sure I, well, I'll apologize. Somebody's going to tweet at me like, you forgot this guy. So here's my apology right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Let's All get right. out in front of this one. Uh, next question from Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, fuck. That was a lot. <laughs> you are struggling today. I am, dude. Me too. I have it's too okay. much going on. I have, I swear to you, I have 18 texts right now. 
So, I, I flip my phone upside down. Usually they keep popping up on my laptop, so I'm distracted. All right, Ben underscore Lady Man. I like that one better. Is Dave <laughs> Gettleman really this dumb? Oh, my Or are her comments about Eli and not liking Haskins to cover so teams don't trade ahead of them for Haskins or another quarterback? Oh, man. I'm going to take both. Yeah, I do I think, think he is really this dumb. I think he's stubborn. I don't think he's dumb. Yeah. Although he has his the two process. can the two can mix together. Like you can become viewed as a dumb person because you're stubborn. Right. I also and I think still, that's where he is. Man, I wonder how much these owners are, are making them stick with Eli. I really do. Yeah. Like, I, uh, I have thought that for a long here's time. Here's a conspiracy, Matt, that you'll love in New York. And it's not really a conspiracy because I think it's a little blatantly obvious at times. Like the way Mike Francesa defends Eli Manning all the time, and Mike Francesa always brags about talking to people inside the Giants building that are high up. There's a correlation there. Like the, oh, yeah, the so. ownership, like when Ben McAdoo benched Eli Manning for Geno Smith, like that was an atrocity in New York yep. City. Like people freaked out. Like, how could you bench Eli Manning? And then Ben McAdoo got fired. And it worked for a day. Like one game. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like there was nothing that could save Ben McAdoo. But the Giants, until they accept as a franchise, not just, and this is not defending Gettleman because he's been bad in his own way at times. I truly believe he got that job because he he knew what he signed up for and not a lot of people would. I agree. I thought they should have just promoted Kevin Abram, but a lot of people did. And there was younger names out there that, this is the New York Giants. Like, you're not settling. You're not like, oh, this guy will take a job anywhere, so we'll hire him. Like, you can go get who you want, generally. You have money. You have stable ownership. You're in, I know people say New Jersey, but you still, it still says New York. Like, I don't know, man. It's just, that's my theory on the whole thing. I think he, I think he doesn't have a choice. I really do. We've talked about that before. Like, sometimes ownership, won't let you do the things you want to do. And I think like with, with Kyler Murray at one, I think that's, if there's any hesitation, it's will they let him draft Kyler Murray? Oh, no, Cliff wants to do. I know, like I've heard for a long time, the giants love Haskins and like, it was just a smoke screen, but I mean, it drafting someone to replace Eli is a weird, it's a weird fight, you know? So I think it's both though. I think the Giants scouts can definitely like Haskins. And I think, as like you, you said this recently, Matt, when you draft someone or you're going to make a big move, like you go to the owner first, right? To yep. approve it. I mean, Dave Gettleman still has to go to the owners and say, Hey, we're going to climb from six to two. And this is what we're going to give up. And this is why we're going to do it. Uh, guess who has to green light that? Yep. So it's a different look. This podcast trashes Dave Gettleman a lot and justifiably so. Uh, I just want to also put a, a different view on it of what might be an issue. That might not be all his fault. Yeah. yeah. There's, there could uh, be a lot of bad things at once. Yep. Uh, you want to do two more here? Yeah, let's knock them out. Andrew McDonald, who's a better scheme fit at 24 for the Raiders, uh, Byron Murphy or Rocky Sin? I don't know. Like, I think that they're somewhat scheme uh, flexible, those two. Byron Murphy's a much better player. So you always go better player, in my opinion. Same. Um, I agree. Uh, Paul Gunther's defense, like, I don't. I don't feel like that defense like screams for one type of player over another. You can look at what he did in Cincinnati. They did favor longer corners, but they also took Darquez Denard in the first, and he was not a very big guy, kind of like Byron Murphy. He was more technique than he was traits. So I, I think I think Murphy is Murphy's a round one player. 
Um, if if he were outside of round one, he would get a red star from me because I, I like him that much. Uh, he's so smooth and fluid. And Feisty. I mean, we were talking about like how the people that watched his workout at the combine were blown away. Not the 40, the workout, like the corner drills. Yeah. And they were like, dude, this this guy can move, man. Like he can. He's really there at 24. Move. That's a great pick for the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a real deal. I, I remember when you and I went to the Rutgers Ohio State game, we saw Denzel Ward. Then when I went to the Rose Bowl this year, I saw Murphy. I was like, yeah, like he's not Ward, but like the style, like the slender, fluid yeah. mover kind of guy that will just throw his. He's feisty as hell. Feisty. I comped him to AJ Boy. Okay. Yeah. I so, totally get that one. Yeah. And I what's crazy to me, the comp committee gave him a round two grade, which I know they're like a little conservative, but. Yeah, I think they get me. nervous that guys will be like, like, I don't think they give out a lot of first round grades. No, I don't think they which, do because they don't want guys to be like, like oh, Nick I'm, a, I'm going in the first round. round. You know? Like, right. All right. Uh, this one from Rio all the way in Brazil. Tiago, would it be a good move for the Falcons to trade up to secure Ed Oliver or stay and see who falls to them? I would love I would them s- to get Ed Oliver. I, I, he and Grady Jarrett would be wild. I mean, amazing. Now, Jonah Williams fell to him in our mock draft on Monday's show, which is like, that's pretty awesome. So there's there's benefits to both. I would go get Ed Oliver. Yeah, I would too. It, depending on what it's going to cost, obviously, because at 14, like, man, you got to worry about much. some teams right there. Like, could you get to 12? Like, Green Bay might just take him at 12. I, I think you can go, like, to 11 and get him. What is that going to cost yeah, you? 11 the spot to do it. It's going to cost you, like, a three. Yeah. Dude, I'd do it. Hell yeah. I hope yeah. that happens. That'd be he would also just look good in that uniform. Oh, he he which longtime and, listeners know that matters to me. It does matter. Him and Grady just shooting gaps. You know who uh, like Detroit would also make a lot of sense for him. Yeah, mm. I think so. I know Lions fans really like that pick too. I know they yeah. brought him up a lot, and I'm with you guys. I think when you look at you know the kind of pass rusher they need, or just they need a good player. Like, that's a top 10 player. You're picking eight. He's going to be there, I think. I mean, that's the one. I would really like that for them. So, and I don't think Matt Patricia will rip his coat off indoors. No, I think Matt, I think old Matty's fine with that. It'd be letting him wear hoodies and yeah. stuff on the sideline. It'll be fine. Oof, we're getting close, man. Yep. Really I know. I, I fly there in three weeks. It's going to be awesome. So. I can't wait. Um, as always, we're going to keep announcing plans for you guys. I mean, if you could take off draft week, take it off because we're going to have tons of content for you guys nonstop. Uh, book long lunches. We have more guests coming up. Yeah. I don't want to give away any of them, but some big guests coming on the show. So as yeah. always, I mean, just a huge thanks to the listeners. You guys have been awesome lately. Matt, what do you got for us before we, we sign off here? Yeah, man. Uh, make sure y'all are uh, like, check out the draft 400 series. Myself, Mello and our buddy, Jared Brown have put a ton of work into this the last three months. So get it in the BR app, uh, the hashtags draft 400 on Twitter. If you want to follow along as we release the rankings So make sure you're checking that out. Um, and then we'll be back Friday morning, man. Mello and I are talking to Darrell Henderson and, uh, we, we buried the lead on this a little bit, Connor, but I believe all three of us will be on the Friday show this week. That's right. Uh, wow. I completely didn't even. I forgot. Like, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. So leading up to the draft, I will be joining the guys for the next, what is that? Three Friday shows. So yeah, yeah the next three and then it's draft week and we'll all be together anyway, doing a show every single day in our beautiful Bleacher Report studio. So if you guys Bello like. hasn't seen it. I'm excited for that. Oh, he it's going to be, it's gonna be awesome. And uh, I ordered some new art. 
stick the football art for it yesterday. Oh, thank God. So we're going to actually have some branding. It's going to be sweet. If you guys really like that video content, subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's going to be a lot more coming there. There already has been some stuff there. But Draft Week, if you want all of our shows, all of our live coverage, clipping out grades for your your picks, your teams, your overall draft analysis, that YouTube channel is going to be loaded. And if you needed help finding it, it's like everything else. It is stick to football. Yeah, we got in early on the the names for this Thank thing. Thank God, great. dude. We'd be SOL well, at this point. It was bef- when, when I got the green light to launch Stick to Football, but before we launched it, I took everything. Like, I signed up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and just owned it. Oh, I always so. tell people, like, if I had a time machine, I would go back and just make all the accounts for things. Like yeah. Amazon, all the TV shows. Oh, my God. You'd yeah. be a millionaire just off of that. Yeah. So but Somebody keeps trying to buy the at Mello from Mello. Really? Any reason why? Grand. I don't know. Dude, he, he told them for that. 10 grand they could have it. I was like, yeah, don't don't sell that, dude. No. I worked hard to get you that. I was, was going to say, we just, <laughs> like, you literally just got him that account. This goes to show, youngest child, you know, never happy. Dude, just hustling. Out here yep. hustling people. Always. Man, he's not going to sell it. He's all talk. No, yeah. I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> He's not gonna be like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, want, you bet. This. You want to bet? Just takes out ten grand cash here on the table. Right. Back, back to Mellow Esquire or whatever. Jesus yeah, man. All right, great. we're done. <laughs> That's the show. We'll be back Friday morning with a great show. Thanks for hanging out with us.